Yeah, what's up? It's I'ma kick it with the line, y'all know. Yo, Slim, can I kick it like Here we go. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. It's time for the Saturday, January 27th edition of the Church Information and Open Forum Show with your host, the Reverend Marion Barnett Sr. Reverend Barnett has been a soldier on the battlefield fighting for civil rights, human rights, and social justice for over 40 years. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a few things that uh, we can throw out here to discuss along with whatever you have on your mind at 972-647-1893. Call us and tell us what you think. 972-647-1893. Just a few things to talk about. DART, Dallas Area Rapid Transit. In particular, the DART board. To be specific, the DART board meeting that took place this past week. To our consternation, to begin with, the DART board had 15 or so representatives, commissioners, members present at the meeting. but not a single African-American was among the board members. What are you saying, what? Zero for 15. Now keep in mind that the Dallas Area Rapid Transit Authority is funded by public tax dollars, federal dollars, And ridership receipts. Okay, now I don't know what the exact percentage of, of riders are African Americans. But you could say it's a substantial amount. African Americans pay property tax or sales tax. Federal income tax. Why is there no representation on that board that looks like reflects the diversity of the city of Dallas, the ridership, and the employees? And when one says that has the appearance of racism, Oh, uh, uh, is the response going to be, oh, it's a such and such an entity and they don't have to respond to those type of uh, policies, diversity, equity, inclusion? They don't have to respond to that because it's a such and such a type legal entity. Okay. And 
In addition to that, there are 20 or 30 or so employees, pretty much all African-Americans, complaining about the conditions, the working conditions, the driving conditions, the mechanics were complaining, the bus drivers were complaining. They're saying, uh, this needs to be fixed, that needs to be fixed, that needs to be fixed, this needs to be fixed. Now keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, that DART is a $1.8 billion annual entity. They take in $1.8 billion of taxpayers' money. And they're going to say, we don't have to have to be, uh, we don't have to have any diversity on our board. And you're not supposed to say anything. And we don't like you because you're saying something about the fact that, you know, African Americans are not represented. And we're cutting services in the African American neighborhoods and then building lines in the, uh, in the uh, northern sector. Uh, now, uh, do you remember in 2019, the Dallas County Community District, Dallas College now, uh, passed a bond of over a billion dollars, and, uh, was supposed to do some things with it, build a new El Centro, to which I'm alumni, and whatever happened. Uh, what happened to all that money? Where'd it go? What's being built? The public wants to know. I mean, they, we voted for it, so we assume something's gonna happen. Uh, do you remember way back when the three little girls in Atlanta, Texas were found murdered and floating in a pond. Okay, what happened to the investigation? What happened to the investigation? You found three little girls, five, eight, nine, murdered, floating in a pond, no investigation. Why is that? Because they're black? Because when it happens in Utah, was it Utah? Oh, Karen, where they found those people murdered in those college students? Yes, sir. Okay. They found four college students murdered in a house. They went through heaven and earth to try to find the murderer. They found a, a, a suspect, got him on trial. But when three little black girls get murdered in Atlanta, Texas, KNON, the Church Information and Open Forum Show, is the only one that's going to say something. Okay, that's three things that are on my mind. But... Uh, Let's go to Maxie Johnson, uh, school board district representative. Good morning, Maxie. Good morning, brother. How you doing this morning? I'm doing great. It's great to hear from you. We 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 always want to hear from our elected representatives, and uh, so uh, the whole world's in your hands. Well, I appreciate it this morning. I wanted to call in. I I did speak uh, last week uh, briefly 
concerning the calling that was uh, received. Uh, Can you speak a little more clearer or something? Can you guys nah, that's hear better. me now? That's better, right. Okay, thank you. Yes, I was, I was calling. I uh, got a lot of calls uh, concerning the, the naming of Kennedy, the renaming of Kennedy Curry. Okay. And uh, uh, I wanted to bring some clarity to uh, last uh, what, what's been done. Okay. And how our process works. So uh, we have been in Dallas ISD District 5, been, was having a conversation for over a year and a half concerning the rename, concerning naming uh, a facility uh, in District 5 after our Senator, Senator Royce West, and the community members came and asked me about it over a year. Okay. However, we could not find the school, so we was trying our best. Uh, and we were having this discussion because we wanted to make sure, I wanted to make sure that uh, everyone was on board and, and got a lot of support behind that. We did that. Okay. And so, um, after a year of conversation, uh, we went back and uh, Wilma Hutchins High School came up and members said, no, we didn't want to do that because that bears the community name. It's like uh, South Oak Cliff bears a community name. Then they came and said, well, what about, well, I said, well, what about Wilma Hutchins Elementary? They didn't want to do that. And then someone asked me about this, this uh, school in Wilma, Texas. I said, no, I named that after our congresswoman, uh, Eddie Bernice Johnson, that's the STEM school. So we kept searching, searching, and then it came up Kennedy Carey. And community members said, let's talk about it. So came back, community members said, hey, that that's something that we can look at. And so what we did then, we I took it to Dallas out of the administration and said, hey, we've been having this conversation about a year, uh, and they was aware of that. Um, and so we followed the policy. Now, uh, the, the, the meeting was in October okay. uh, of last year. They had a site-based decision-making meeting. That is our policy. And so those individuals that are on the site base came up with the name. And then in November, we had another meeting. Now, this particular meeting was a community meeting, and that was a Zoom and in person. So Dallas asked the administration that we're going to have it in person, but if you can't make it in person, we're going to do a Zoom because we want to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to to voice their concern and give input. Okay. Our policy, Dallas ISD policy, requires us to give community input. Now, again, we've had this conversation for over a year, but okay. we have to now follow the policy. We have to put some teeth in it. And so what we did, Dallas asked the administration, they sent... Uh, letters to homes, to uh, parents, flyers. They put it on a marquee. They did a call out, a robocall, and we put it on all social media, and we even gave it to uh, community stakeholders in case, hey, we don't have everybody's number. Uh, help get this word around. Okay. And so we, they did all that. Everyone, I mean, everything tried to exhaust every measure to make sure that our community was involved. The two individuals that started this, said on the news that they, were, they did not have an opportunity to have community input. They continue to say, they said, we've said, and I, we said I've heard the conversation and I'm looking at this in, in disbelief. Mm. So I asked the, the Dallas ISD administrator, I said, I need you to provide me because I know, I, I need documentation because mm -hmm. I know we did it, but 
it's my word against us, it's our word against us, and this is going on news. Well, come to find out, not only uh, did we have documentation, but one of the young ladies that said she never got had input on you know, back on November, one of the community members, and we provided where she actually liked the post and gave a thumbs up. Oh, that's interesting. In November. She gave a thumbs up. She said she didn't have an opportunity to give input, that we ignored it, which is not true. She gave a thumbs up. However, when it was time for the meeting to happen, she didn't show up. Mm. So she said she went and said she had no input. Then we rushed it, which was not true. Mm. And I, I, I can't make people come to meetings. Right. The other individual that said that she didn't know was on the Zoom call. Oh. So, to sit there and say that you didn't have an opportunity, that you didn't you didn't have an opportunity to give input, is totally untrue. That sounds disingenuous. They said that the kids, the neighborhood kids, were uh, was not were not able to go there. That it's going to be a choice school. That is completely untrue. Mm. We are bringing resources to our neighborhood kids, and just you have just like you had people that was against it, you also had a lot of people that was for it. Mm. And so we follow policy. Now, the first read, Dallas SD, has two reads. We read it one time, and then we come back another month and read it the second time. And what is a reading? So a reading is when something is presented, just is presented in since it's January, reading in January, we discuss it. And then we come back another month in February, and we discuss it again. Then it can go on. March agenda to vote on it. Well, let me ask you a question. When you say present it, what does that mean? Present on the agenda. It's actually on the agenda. Okay, so someone would go to uh, the DISD headquarters and say they want to put something on the agenda or a council person, uh, excuse me, a school board person puts it on the agenda. How does that process work? So once we have our meetings and, and we follow the policy, then the administration places it on the agenda for the board okay. to, to discuss it. Okay, all right. And so also while it's on the agenda, the community has the opportunity to come down there and voice their concerns at a board briefing and at a board meeting. Okay. So all not right. only have we had, was discussing this for over a year, not only did we have a, a meeting in October, then another meeting in November, but those that uh, wanted to come in, come out in the community, they want to come downtown or to uh, 5151 Family Boulevard and discuss at the board briefing. They could have done that, and if they didn't, if they want to come out to the board meeting, they could have done that. So they've had plenty of time that was offered for them to come out and discuss it. Mm. Now, the board can waive the right for a second read. So if they say, hey, we're going to read this one time, and, and and voted on the same month, we have waived that right. We have waived the second read before. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so this is not the first not time that, that, okay. that the board has done that. And so we have, I think everyone had ample enough time mm-hmm. to voice their opinion. Again, I can't make anyone come to a meeting. And the problem that we have, is, and you know this, Brother Leon, because I've seen you have been involved in the community. We have meetings. We invite our community to come out, but everybody does not come. Hmm. And then when decisions are made, 
you have people that are upset because they failed to show up to a meeting. They, well, they could have voiced their opinion on whatever yeah. the issue and, was. And so, okay. And so, this, this is this is this is has this was the truth. This is the process. No one, no one. Trustee Johnson has never tried to ignore the community. Now, I'm a I'm a community activist. I'm mm-hmm. a pastor in in, in district. I, my church is in District Five, New Orleans Star Missionary Baptist Church in West Dallas. So we in West Dallas. So I've done my job. I've made sure that our community had ample enough time to to get involved and, and share and give input. But again, you can't say you didn't see it and then give thumbs up. And, and here's the thing is, they was going along with it until I had to, until I was able to find that document and post it on my Facebook page. Afterwards, I still ain't heard from them. They had a meeting and, and said that they were trying to reach, get me to come to a meeting no one invited me to a meeting at Holland Hills Library. I didn't get the invitation. Oh, no one, n- neither did uh, I. Got, got an invitation for a Zoom. She told me about a Zoom, but she never provided me with the Zoom information for me to participate. Well, uh, let me ask so you something. On top of all this other stuff, I was I'm still I was still willing to meet and still have further discussion, but you can't do anything if people don't provide you with adequate information. Although we did, I, we follow policy that they did not, she did not give me the adequate information and, and now want to go in and say I wouldn't return phone call, which is all those, all those things are completely untrue. Okay, well now let me ask you something, uh, <clears throat> Representative uh, Johnson. Uh, have you been contacted by other media outlets in other words, to get your position on this issue. And let, let we'll talk uh, about that after we come back off this break on the most powerful show on the radio, Church Information Open Forum with your host, Reverend Marion Barnett Sr. on KRON 89.3 FM or KRON.org if you are streaming. Yeah, what's up? It's I'm going to kick it with mine, y'all know. It's Yo, can I kick it right here? Here we go. And we're back with more of the most powerful show on the radio, Church Information Open Forum, with your host, the Reverend Marion Barnett Sr. Uh, Representative Johnson, you still with us? I'm still with you, Brother Leon. All right. Uh, I wanted to to ask you before we went to the break, have you been contacted by any of those media outlets that uh, interviewed the people who uh, made these statements that uh, you are responding to. Has any of them asked you for an interview or have they interviewed you and, and broadcast it? Uh, no one has interviewed me. The, the young lady that, uh, one, of the, one of the uh, reporters or uh, news reporters contacted mm-hmm. me around 2.30ish, somewhere around there. And, uh, and I explained to her that I was, I'm a pastor and that I was at the time uh, at my business administrator uh, father's funeral. Okay. And so uh, I would, and, and I told her, as soon as we get out, we was in the repast, and I said, as soon as I get done, uh, I will contact you. I'm not aborting you. Uh, she told me what the concern was, and I said, Dallas has these follow policy, but I explained to her, this is where I am, that not only am I a trustee, but I'm a pastor, so I have to make sure that I'm there for those that, that need me to be there, mm-hmm. especially okay. those that's been there for me. All right. Uh, so that's around the two two twentieth, two thirtieth, if I could say it around that time. I then called back at three ten. Okay. 
and said, oh, I'm, I said, I said, hey, I'm, I'm available now. And I was told that um, she had to get a, her, her show together because it had to go on the news at a certain time. But mm-hmm. she would let everyone know that she spoke to me mm-hmm. and that I said that Dallas ID followed policy. Okay. So was I given adequate time to to discuss it? No. I've called I called her several times that day. Oh. And I also sent her a flyer showing her that it that the community did have an opportunity uh to give input and those that showed up did give input. Mm. So again, uh we I we can I can have meetings, Dallas ID can have meetings, but we cannot make people show and come. And, and we can't get mad when those that do come to meetings, that participate in the meetings, and they give their input. But those that are against the subject matter do not show. We cannot, we, that's, that's very disingenuous. Right. And so uh, we, did, we did follow policy. Now, a part of that policy is the lifespan of a name that goes on a building in Dallas ASD is 50 years. So after 50 years, a name can be uh, removed or we can honor someone else. So that means that in our lifetime, it will only be two names on a building unless the board waives that. I have not seen us waive that. Okay. So it was also said that no matter what, we should never remove names. And so the the only one person should be honored it is for for eternity, and I spoke to those, those individuals. And I said I disagree with that. Okay, and so we follow policy and correct procedure. The community was given input, uh, given opportunity to give their input October, November, and then the board briefing and the board meeting. So we had uh, ample enough time uh, to discuss it again. And this discussion started over a year ago, so nothing was rushed. Right. That was complete. Uh, that was complete uh, untrue. Misinformation. And so, uh-huh. it was complete misinformation. It was just untrue. And not only that, but in discussing it, I said to the community, I said, listen, Dr. Curry, Mr. Curry did a tremendous job in our community, leading the community, bringing, it, bringing Bishop College to Dallas. And so what we're going to do, those that heard it and were actually listening, what we're going to do, we're going to take the original name Back to we're gonna take this name back to the original landmark, Paul Quinn College. We're building a brand new uh, uh, Freddie Haynes Global Preparatory Academy mm-hmm. on that property, mm-hmm. and in that particular building, we're taking the name Dr. Milton Carey back to Bishop College, where his name will be located in the in the media center. We're gonna name the media after Dr. Milton Carey. I okay. presented that to the administration. I'm computer, I, I communicated with that, that that is the thing that we need to do. Okay. And that is being on uh, the agenda. Of course, we have to follow policy to get that done. But that was the discussion because we want to make sure that those that paved the way, with that those that really paved the way, and we stand on our shoulders when we have an opportunity to continue to uh, uh, acknowledge them and celebrate them, uh, we do that. And so we're not getting rid of the name. We're taking the name back to the original land one, mm-hmm. to Bishop College. Now it's called Paul Quinn College. And you will see that celebration uh, very soon when we get ready to uh, go through the uh, groundbreaking ceremony. So I will invite all the community to come out. We will share that date with you, Brother Leon, so everyone can uh, celebrate 
the accomplishments that we are doing for our kids here in Dallas ISD District 5. All right. Uh, a couple of questions since you're talking about renaming some stuff. You know, uh, we talked about getting something named, excuse me, <clears throat> Perel Barnett. And I think you mentioned something about something about that. Can you can you refresh my memory right. on what you said? Yes, sir. So uh, we've had community meetings uh, uh, as far as, uh, again, having these discussions and, and community, is saying, mem- community members saying they, that they want to name something after uh, Brother Barnett, Reverend Barnett, somewhere at the Kincaid Stadium. Now, that particular stadium is in Trustee Foreman's district. However, it serves all of Dallas ISD. Mm-hmm. So that discussion is... Uh, has been is being had, uh, and I'm I'm for it. If the board finds somewhere uh, something that we can do that's at Kincaid Stadium uh, where we can honor him, I, I'm I will support it. Uh, but it has to go through the correct process. Mm-hmm. It has to go. We have to follow policy, and there has to be more discussions around it. Okay. Uh, and so I know Trustee Foreman is aware of it. Uh, we've all heard about it. Uh, have we, as, as a board, came to discuss it? No. Have we, as a board, spoke with administrations to get together? Uh, no, we haven't. But we have. I know I have mentioned it to administration, and so there is conversation. However, we have to get input from the from the community and follow policy and see how we can do it. So I know it's been discussed, but it has not been uh, any, if I can say, any teeth in it. But when that time comes. We must, we will follow policy. And that's something that's very important that we must understand mm-hmm. that one trustee cannot do anything. Right. It mm-hmm. takes a board. Mm-hmm. A board has to vote on this. And so we must follow policy and we must follow correct protocol and process. And All right. So, now, uh, I'm sorry. Let me ask you about. So that's, uh, that's where we come to Okay. All right. Let me ask you about input on that, on that particular subject. How does the community provide input and where do they give send the input or address the input. So what we what what policy suggests is that we will have a community meeting. Um and in that community meeting people will be able to give their input whether they're for it, whether they're against it. And if they're for it or against it, then they also discuss names and opportunities. That's normally how it happens okay. when we're doing with the school. Uh so you have a site based decision making meeting or you have and you have a community meeting and so they're giving input. And in the input, you have some that's against it. You have some that's, that's not against it. But what we have to understand is input is not decision-making. Right. And I think we get that we get that confused. Mm-hmm. When I give input, that don't mean that I'm making a decision. What we're doing is giving the community an opportunity to give input. What's your thoughts concerning it? If, if you're for it, if you're against it, what, if we're for what names are you coming up with? What? This is a full discussion. Okay. So, and and, and, and I'm discovering, uh, and, and the same thing that we do when, when we do principles. They give input. They don't make the decision, but they give input. And input is important because it helps us gauge where the community uh, is concerning uh, this a particular subject matter. And you have, you may have, uh, if I can just, you, you may have 10 people for it, you may have, 15 people against it or 10 people for it or uh, uh, 
uh, mm-hmm. people against it. So, yeah. But it, it's about the interest, so that, that's how that will happen, if that happens. But again, that particular uh, stadium, although it houses all the Dallas ID children, that particular stadium is in Trustee Foreman uh, District. And so when when that time comes, as we are discussing it, uh, we will invite the community out if we're able to do that and follow Dallas ISD policy and protocol. But I have not heard anyone that has been against it. Uh, I know I spoke one time with Trustee Foreman in passing, and she didn't have anything negative to say. And so uh, we're still working out and trying to see how we can do. These things are not done overnight. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a process. It, it, that's that's a, that can be overnight. a time-consuming process. Yes, I understand. Yes, mm-hmm. yes sir. Uh, I wanted to mention Michael Johnson before I get to the next thing I want to ask you, and then uh, we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, we, we know we all know who Michael Johnson is. If we don't. We we should know because he was the multiple time Olymp- Olympian gold medal uh, track star, and uh, we we think that he needs something to have people remember what he did because a lot of his records are still standing so yes sir and uh so that's that for that for the renamings now uh one important question uh we talked about the the revenues that the uh the playoff games bring into the district and people are saying well how much did sock get how much did kimball get uh how is that how is Where's where are those records, and how does one know what school gets what, or if, if anybody gets anything? Or how, how does how is that handled? Well, I know that members of the community of the South Oak Cliff community uh, sent emails concerning uh, the state championship game, and was wanting to, to know how much revenue did uh, Dallas ISD uh, receive from my kids being in the playoff now. And Dallas, I think you're guaranteed 10 games. After 10 games, uh, in, uh, we control our own death. That's what we, we that's what, I'm a former coach in Dallas, I think. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we say when we get in the playoffs, you control your own destiny. It started from week one to uh, week six, and you're trying to make it to state the state championship. Uh, and so, uh, what we did, the community did, we did request to see the the, inf- the information on where those monies went from UIL to Dallas, uh, and I believe I believe we received one year from from what I've read uh, sixty thousand dollars. Now, as a trustee, that is not that's not my purview. Now, what I can do is ask for the information, uh-huh. and, and and once I receive that information, uh, give that information to our parents and community. Mm-hmm. And so, I believe a couple of years ago, we received. Uh, that South of Cliff received sixty thousand. Uh, I don't know if they was going to receive anything else. I know that another conversation is uh, trying to happen. Um, how much money has been received? So we have not gotten that information as of yet. That's still that's still out there, and we're still waiting on that information. Okay. Uh, and finally, the complaint concerning the official the officials used at the state championship game. Uh, is there any update on that? Uh, Dallas SD, uh superintendent uh, sent a, a complaint concerning the referee. Everyone saw it. Uh, those some phantom calls 
that was that <laughs> that's a good word for it now, that's uh, a good one phantom call okay the last time i last time i seen something like that was when skyline plays that lace girl when the ball did not go uh 10 yards on the onside kick and they uh, gave it to South Lake Carroll. So we've seen this story before. Oh, okay. Uh, and, okay. I, and, and, and we know in inner city schools that we can't leave, uh, we, in our black and brown school, we know that we can't leave it in the hands of the referee. However, uh, the referee that was, that was there was not, uh, they did not disclose, disclose right. that mm-hmm. he was actually a dentist in that area and a vendor of that particular uh, district. And so the complaint was uh, how they did not properly disclose that mm-hmm. because anyone that's that mm-hmm. close in a, in a small town like that right. should should have been able not to. Uh, he should have recused himself, right? And they mm-hmm. should have they they should have operated with integrity because our coach uh, coach Todd, <laughs> when they choose the the referees, we're we're trying to choose uh, someone that have seen uh, that have, that have referee. Uh, schools like ours, that black, that are black schools that understand uh, that we move fast, we're aggressive, and so he, he wants something like he wants something like that. But they fail to disclose that Fairness. one of the, the people on the, one of the referees is actually from that community. Right, and we, we're not talking about like a like a, uh, a Dallas chapter or a Houston chapter that, that that's real big. We talking about specifically from that particular community, and and, and when you go look at those, those phantom calls. Uh, when we came out on the third, third uh, half after halftime, that first run that Danny Green broke was ten yards. He called a, a fake. That was a phantom call. A hole. Then, of course, we know that they had eight eight plays to go two yards. We've all seen that. So that was the complaint about it. Uh, I have not heard anything else to outcome from that. Uh, but uh, I can tell you this: uh, it's personal, and we're going to be back and. We hope they make it back, too, because we're not going to leave it into the referee's hands anymore. Okay. Uh, hang on just a second. Uh, do you want to, is there anything else you want to say, or do you want to see if you have any calls from any of the other listeners, or how do you want to go forward? Oh, I, yeah, I, I, I can hang out uh, for a little while, but, I, again, I want to thank you for this opportunity to bring clarity um, to the situation because sometimes we're hearing one side, and, and, and I understand, Brother Leon, that, Everyone may not agree on everything. I'm trying my best to please everybody, and I know that you can't please everybody. But however, I, I want people to be honest. Mm-hmm. If you don't like something, you don't like it. That's that. That's it's okay for us not to agree on everything. However, don't say that uh, you didn't give input. Don't right. don't lie and, misrepresent. And, make, mm-hmm. and, and, and misrepresent and give intentionally misinform innocent people to get them wound up. Mm-hmm. Right. That is not that's not integrity, and that was my concern. And so uh, again, Dallas ID follow policy, and I'm excited because now our children will be able to understand who Senator Royce West is, and uh, uh, give this honor on him. He's done a, a great job, uh, and I'm excited to do this and be a part of this. Uh, uh, what, I, what I think is important move uh, that we're doing for our kids and the resources that our kids will receive just for making this uh, a Leadership Academy, which is the name the community members chose. And so I'm excited about that and can't wait for the groundbreaking ceremony. All right. Uh, we're going to be right back after we take this quick break on the most powerful show on the radio, Church Information Open Forum. 
with your host, Reverend Marion Barnett on KNON 89.3 FM or KNON.org if you're streaming. We will be right back. Yeah, what's up? It's I'm going to kick it with the line, y'all know. It's Yo, Slim, can I kick it right here? Here we go. And we're back. With more of the most powerful show on the radio, Church Information Open Forum, with your host, the Reverend Marion Barnett. Okay, I want to set up a few ground rules before we go into taking some of these callers. Uh, This is not a place to debate. Okay, when you come on and you address your, make your statement, then okay. But it's not back and forth. Okay, now who do we have, uh, Karen? We have Clara McDade on line one. Good morning, Ms. McDade. She there? Good morning, Ms. McDade. Good morning, can you hear me? Yes, you have your phone on in the background because I hear an echo. You have your radio, I'm sorry, in the background, phone. Okay, can you? All right, go ahead. Okay, I'm calling in. Uh, simply because I want to indicate that I just heard our representative, um, Maxie Johnson, talk about this. It was it was fair how they did the process. Okay. I'm saying again, the process was incorrect. If you look at the documents, to pull up the documents on where the they did the process mm-hmm. and who voted mm-hmm. out of look, over 30 some thousand people in the community of Holland Hill there were only 12 to 15 people on that document and those people consisted okay let me ask you some, let me ask you something ma'am teachers. let me ask you a question okay what document are you talking about can you be specific okay the document that he used to say that the community had a voice. Okay, what's the name he of the document? Had only twelve names on there. Those are the people that made a decision for over thirty thousand people in the community of Holland Hill. Okay, let me ask you a question again. The meetings that the school board representative said were announced and were open to the public. Were you there? No, he did not announce those meetings. We had no knowledge of those meetings. Okay. Anything else? And the thing about it is, I want to say one thing. Okay. Now you were. This was rushed. This was done without knowledge of the community. And then my last thing is, and I ask, you know, um, uh, will there be? My question is, will there be funding because of this name change? I want to know that one. Okay. And I'm going to watch that one closely. All right. Uh, thank you very much for your call and comment, and I'll ask the school board uh, representative to respond. Thank you. Mr. Thank you, Brother Mr. Johnson. Leon. Yes, sir. Uh, again, policy was followed. Uh, not only have we had a discussion again for over a year, but when the Dallas the administration uh, came to the community, uh, we had a, they had a meeting in October, and they also had a meeting in November. And so Ms. McDade, who was just uh, 
or was on the phone participated in the Zoom meeting. That was that what meeting? Uh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. On the second. Zoom meeting. Yes, sir. Can't cut her off. Okay, go ahead, Mr. Johnson. That she participated in the Zoom meeting. Now, I did not know that she participated until I requested the information because I wanted to make sure that policy was followed correctly and Dallas had the administration follow policy correct, correctly. And Mrs. Clara McDade participated on the Zoom. And you have so the recording of the Zoom to, to, to show to anyone who wants to see yes, it. And she, and, and, and it was Hold on, I'm asking a question. You have the yes, sir. Dallas ISD has that information. Yes, okay, sir. that's right. how I was able to receive it. Okay, all right. N- next caller, who do we have, Karen? We have Miss Crenshaw on line three. Good morning, Miss Crenshaw. Good morning, Miss Crenshaw. Johnson, uh, school board trustee. I think what the community is trying to say. Hmm is that the flyer that went out that Ms. Brenham liked it, it did not say that they were going to name uh, rename the school. It simply had, this is a community meeting, it's going to be held where, what time, but it did not say what it was about. Okay. So therefore, uh, so therefore, People that don't have kids in uh, Kennedy Curry didn't feel like that they needed to be there. Secondly, Mrs. McDade attended the Zoom meeting after she received a call from one of her constituents who was at the meeting. And they called her 20 minutes before the meeting was to begin. Mm-hmm. So she went, she she zoomed in mm-hmm. and she was, uh, you know, uh, uh, like on, on the blind side. She didn't know about the meeting and she didn't know that it was to name the school. Let me ask you a question. She, Let me ask you a question. Okay, go ahead. The meeting that she joined, the Zoom, did it contain uh, agenda items concerning renaming the school? So what I, yes, in other words, in other words, yes. if you were on that meeting, on that mm-hmm. Zoom rather, would you have seen where they were getting ready to rename the school? Yes. Okay. She was now on go the ahead. Go right ahead. And she did hear that. Okay. Now go and right ahead. Secondly, when she says that it only represented twelve people mm-hmm. who were representative of thirty thousand people in Highland Hill mm-hmm. in the community. Mm-hmm. She is saying that that is not proportionate to the number of people that are impacted by the school. Okay, now let me ask you a question again for clarity. Mm -hmm. What document was supposed to have contained only 12 people as opposed to being a, what you would call a, a statistical mean or whatever, for the reps, reps, excuse me, <clears throat> the residents of Highland Hills. You understand what I'm saying? When you do a survey, exactly okay, that. what document was that? So, because we're okay. trying to get specifics to find out, to get closer to are. the truth, okay? I, I, that's right, that's right. What, what document, it mm-hmm. isn't a document, it was a 
flyer mm -hmm. that did not state that what they were meeting about. Okay, well, where's so, the 12 people come in? I'm trying to get clarity the on 12 that. People, the 12 people meant that there were 12 people during the Zoom meeting. There were 12 people during the Zoom meeting. Okay. So on document, they said they may have put uh, the sign-in sheet. Uh, the document could be uh, 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 actual uh, videotape of the... Uh, uh, of the n number of people that were there. And many of those people were principals, administration, and not necessarily people who were from the community. All right. Anything and else? And, and it, then the second thing she says is that she wants to know about funding. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know exactly what she means by funding, but I do know that she may be saying that, okay, uh, many times when you, uh, uh, you have an impact, a financial impact, mm -hmm. what financial impact is this going to cause the budget? Okay, so now let me, I have, to, I, have to, I have to cut you off right here and let uh, the uh, school board representative respond, okay? Okay, good. I'll stay on, please. Uh, no, you can't stay on because I don't want okay, back and forth. Thank you. Okay, okay. Uh, Mr. Johnson, right. can you respond? Yes, sir, I can. Once again, the, the administration sent flyers out to the parents. We had a site-based decision-making committee. That is a part of the community. We did, they sent another flyer out, Zoom, and, on, and in person. And, we have, and those flyers are out there. If you go on my Facebook, you will see that it also says uh, proposed name change. Okay, and now, so, now how does the listening, let, let me interrupt you, sir. How does the listening audience access your Facebook to see uh, these I'm open. It's open. They can they can see it, and Just they will see both flyers. They will see okay. one that was out there, but also Miss Brett Sabrina. I spoke with her directly. I spoke with her before the meeting in November, so they knew about the meeting. We want people to come, but the issue that we have, Leon, is we send all the information out. We send it home. We do robocalls. We put it on marquee. We send flyers on. We ask our community stakeholders to help get the word around. And then when it's time for the meeting, they didn't show or they don't show. So those that show up to the meetings are the ones that give their input. Okay. Again, I, I cannot force anyone to come to a meeting. Absolutely. And the only time people get involved some is when they disagree with the subject matter. But if you involved, then we will have your name in the database to help us uh, get more people involved so that work can get around. They must get involved in our kids' education. Even if you don't have a kid there, still be involved so you can know what's going on and help others get involved. The okay. problem is they only get involved when they disagree with something. All right. Uh, who do we have next, Karen? We have Tony on line four. Good morning, Tony. Good morning. How y'all doing? We're doing. How you doing? All right. I do like that there's dialogue and the community and the, and the trustees involved in this conversation. But there's certain things need to put in perspective. The lady's right in this respect. <laughs> and, I, and, and I do a call representation. Um, it's kind of, you're kind of like... The, Need to be a little clearer. We can't. I'm kind of having a hard time making out your words. Can you do something to make the call quality a little bit better? Can you hear me now? 
Let's try it. Let's see what happens. Can you hear me now? Yeah, let's let's try it. Go ahead. Okay, yes. Well, like I said before, the lady's right in the sense that it might not be representation of the of the full community, but the trustee's right too. Both can be right that it, it might represent the 15,000, 30,000 residents our community, but also who showed up. Uh-huh. And, you know, because you have a job and you don't, and you can't show up, that's just part of the process. Because uh-huh. I work and I, and I can't go to, to the, all the meetings myself. Uh-huh. I, I'm not in Dallas. I'm just telling you my participation in public in, uh, government uh-huh. in my city. Uh-huh. And so the thing is this. Everybody wants to react to a situation after it's done. But there is a process. Mm-hmm. And the thing is this. Most people who show up are retired people. Okay. And most most people who show up are public school administrators. Mm-hmm. But the reality is this. If you look at the numbers, like I said, I'm, I'm going to use a, a metaphor. When it comes to voting, mm-hmm. we don't turn out in our numbers. Right. Guess what? We got a number to say, hey, really says this. Mm-hmm. That's not true. To participate, you have to be involved. And the two is you talk to the trustee, and that's what I, I really call to say this. Uh-huh. This is what I love about K, KNON and Red Barnett, uh-huh. that they have allowed this kind of conversation right. to flourish. And and that's the beauty of uh, of this show. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's all I want to do. Thank you, Let me ask you a quick, quick question before you leave, uh, Tony. Uh, you, you, you call in frequently, and you've always been, you know, politically astute and, you know, pretty much spot on, as they say. In a group of 30,000 people, right? Yes. Do you think that maybe 100 people should have shown up, 1% or whatever? What is what, what is 1% of, of 30,000? You see what I'm saying? At a meeting? Yeah. Okay. Now, have you heard... Uh, Deputy Mayor Pro Tem talk about the lack of community participation in City Hall uh, business, Dallas City, City of Dallas business. Have you heard her talk about that? Yes. Okay. So what I'm getting at is we're trying to get at the solutions. We get to the truth first and the solutions after we get the truth, right? Yes. Okay. So that's what we're trying to do here. We're not trying to say take sides we're trying to get at the truth yes. and then find a solution to the problem so that the kids will benefit okay yes yes, yes. okay alright I just want to get that out there thank you for your call and comment as usual as always Tony thank you uh, that that's opens up a line for another uh, caller who do we have now uh, Karen Brian on line one uh, good morning Brian Leon? good morning Brian Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing. How you doing? Good, sir. Is my call coming in clear? Yes, go right ahead. Okay. Hey, I just first of all want to mention I, I couldn't catch your first 10 minutes of your show. I was doing the breakfast thing. Hey, um, did you mention anything about Dexter, uh, Dexter King, Martin Luther King's youngest son this week? Mm, did I mention it? No. Go right That's ahead. Right. Well, I just thought I'd bring that up to the community about, um, you know, great super person, you know, Martin Luther King's youngest son. Um, he went on to the next world. But, um, he passed away? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, yeah. no, I didn't get that one. When was that? 
passed this week. It passed week. Yep. Okay. Let me but see. Anyway, they didn't talk community. about that on the news, did they? Huh? Well, I, I, I don't. All I know is I just want to bring it up to the community. But I did hear about it. Um, I read up a little bit about it. You might guys out there in the community and stuff might want to check it out. But I want to touch on DISD for a minute. Um, you with me? Oh, he died on the 22nd. Hmm. I got you. Hey, Leon, with all this stuff going on on the border, um, there's a big problem, as we know. How is DISD going to handle all these students and kids when financially DISD is struggling? You know, the school buildings need modernized, modernized. The classrooms are overcapacitated. I mean, they don't have the room for the students they have now. We don't have enough teachers. And financially, how how is Dallas, how are we going to handle all the new students that are going to be coming in and all these people coming across the border? All right. Let me let me uh, let me give let me give uh, the uh, representative a chance to respond. Thank you for your call and comment. Uh, Go ahead, uh, uh, Representative Johnson, because we got two minutes and you can finish up. Yes, sir. And I agree with the I agree with uh, the gentleman that just spoke. That's why we have. Uh, the bond that passed, and you guys know that I I fought for the bond and and started fighting for uh, input and resources to come to our schools, and so uh, that's why we build these new schools and these new buildings because we do understand that it, it is growing in Dallas ISD, and we understand the lack of funding because of the governor who is well. If you pay attention, he's really trying to defund education. Mm-hmm. So that 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 is something that we. We have to uh, be knowledgeable. Public uh, education. As the deputy mayor pro tem, Carolyn King Arnold said, stay woke. Mm-hmm. We have to stay woke about these matters. And, and to answer the question, no, there's no financial impact. And that was more, Brother Leon, than uh, administrated. The community, members of the community uh, was there. Again, we can send these information out, mm-hmm. but they have to show up to these meetings. And if they don't show up, then they miss the opportunity to give input, but those from the community that do give input uh, participate, and we when we celebrate them, thank you for participating. We want more people to get involved. Don't wait until you hear a subject that you disagree with. Stay involved. Stay connected so we can all do what we need to do for our kids because all of our voices are important. Our community uh, members' voice are important, our parents' uh, voice are important, and guess what? Even our kids' voices are important. And so, that's what we'll make sure. Make sure you get involved and stay involved. All right, thank you very much, Trustee Johnson. Uh, and we're going to be right back after, for our second hour of the most powerful show on the radio, Church Information Open Forum, with your host, the Reverend Maureen Barnett, on KNON 89.3, the voice of the people. Well, it's time to make that change. People of the world today are fading. All of us have our ups and downs. You better think about it or you won't be around. What we need is a little bit of love. Sent by one from heaven up above. Take a pity, it's simple and plain. This ain't no game, you know what I'm saying? What? Yep, yep. Kick it for me one time. What is the world coming to? Seems like everyone is running from the truth. Yep, yep. We just can't. 
We're back for the second hour of the most powerful show on the radio, the Church Information Open Forum, with your host, the Reverend Marion Barnett, Sr., on the voice of the people, KNON 89.3 FM, or KNON.org if you're streaming. All right, let's take some calls, Karen. Who do we have? Reverend Wright on line three. Good morning, Reverend Wright. Good morning, Doctor. You doing all right? Well, I'm still trying to do it. Okay. Is uh, is uh, Doctor Johnson still on the line? Uh, no, I don't think it, uh, the the uh, is he on? Because we we spoke with him on on uh, on uh, Thursday. We spoke with the DISC board, and the bottom line is, what does he plan on doing to resolve this issue? Uh, and and I know he said a lot of the people knew about it, and they didn't do anything about it. And uh, but my thing is, charge it to their head, not to their heart. We need to resolve this issue. If that's history that they want to keep, why can't we name the stadium after Central West? And we're going to honor and respect to the West. Let's name a highway or something out there. And all those things were brought to them. And we were told after 50 years you can change the name. But I said it's been 50 years since Dr. King passed. Do you think anybody would allow them to take Dr. King's name off of anything? Okay, anything else? Well, I just wanted to talk with Mr. Johnson. Uh, no, no, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not going to do that. We, you, you, you make your statement, then I'm going to allow him to respond. Okay. Well, that's what I want to do, but I just want to know well, what I want to do is not just gossip about it. I want to see if we can't resolve the issue. Okay. All right. Thank you for your call and comment. Uh, I'm expecting somebody else. So, uh, Representative Johnson, if you, st- are you still there? I'm still here with you, brother Leon. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna let this be your last response because I'm expecting somebody else to call yes, in. Yes, sir. I want to so thank make, you and forward. and I want to thank you and Reverend Barnett for this opportunity to speak and hear the voice of the community. Uh, I spoke with Reverend Wright. Uh, he's not even from District Five, uh, or even have even participated in any of the things that we've done when we've been out protesting, fighting for equity for our kids. But I still listen to the voice of the people, regardless. The board followed policy. And so I, I'm not a I'm not a city councilman. I'm not a state representative. So I can't name streets. I can't name any any of those things. But I can operate within my purview. Okay. And I have to follow policy, and that was done. And so I know he, now he's saying charge people heads, not their hearts. Listen, for whatever reason, some people can't make meetings. It's my job to give everyone the opportunity to show up. If they don't show up, I have to go with who's with, with those that are there. It's like church. Okay. We want everyone to show, but we have to continue to have church, even those that cannot make it. Those there are people that do show up, and they still they need a word. They they they're there, so we have to do the job. Okay. And so Dallas, as the administration did the job, and those community members and parents that showed up, they they gave a name, and we went forward. I want to encourage everyone again. Please get involved. Let's not wait till you hear something that you disagree with, then want to uh, then want to get involved. Let's stay involved and stay connected so so we can do what we need to do for all of our children. Thank you for this opportunity, uh, Brother Young. You're quite welcome, uh, uh, Trustee Johnson, and we certainly look forward to hearing from other representatives of the uh, elected representatives to the Dallas ISD School Board, in particular, our African-American representatives, because there are some other questions about 
fairness in employment and et cetera that we're hearing from the community that we want to address. So uh, thank you again, and we look forward to seeing you, uh, hearing from you uh, in the future. Yes, sir. Thank you. You're welcome. And that clears the line, 972-647-1893. And we certainly hope that uh, we can get a call from Congresswoman Crockett's office. Uh, so uh, we certainly hope that will happen. In the meantime, who do we have next, Karen? Pastor Byron, Byron, excuse me, Pastor Byron Mack on line four. Uh, good morning, Pastor Mack. Good morning, good morning. I just wanted to comment and tell you what a phenomenal job that you are doing in the KNON staff. Thank God for you. It's legendary and <laughs> it has been awesome. I've had relatives that have worked there in the 80s. And I just thank you guys are doing a phenomenal job. Also, I wanted to say to Pastor Johnson, who just left the line, what a awesome young man, an awesome thing. And I think what he's trying to do is unify the community and get the community to come out. I remember when we got a chance to elect our first African-American president, and everybody and their mama and Amy and grandma <laughs> came out to the polls and voted. And we got our first African-American president. I think that's what we need to do now is stop all of the complaining and fussing and ordering. Come together because we can do it better when we do it together. I just uh, praise God for you. Thank God for Pastor Johnson and the work and the phenomenal job that he's doing. And just wanted to encourage everybody, let's unify ourselves and let's get it done. As Dr. King wanted us to do in the first place. God bless you and may God keep you all. All right, thank you for your call and comment. And that brings us to a special, special guest, uh, the Honorable Congresswoman Jasmine Crockett. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? We're great because we get to hear from our wonderful Congresswoman-elect uh, who's uh, taking the mantle and the baton, if you will, from our illustrious Congresswoman, Eddie Bernice Johnson. And so uh, she was a regular uh, guest on this show and we certainly hope that and we see that you're going to continue in that tradition and uh, before we go into more can you give us a brief uh, comment statement on the, the Congresswoman uh, Congress, Congresswoman Johnson yeah so um, you know as I'm sure your um, listeners know we lost her on the last day of 2023. And um, you know how you look at people and you just think that they're giants and they will make it through any and everything. That was how I always looked at her. Um, so while I knew that she was ill, um, for me it was a matter of she's going to make it. Mm -hmm. She's just gonna make it because that's who she is yeah, absolutely mm -hmm. um and and so you know we we never know 
um, when it's our time. Um, and her time came That's before real. I think any of us really wanted it too, because I think all of us wanted us, all of us wanted to see her um, really enjoy retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, she worked so very hard and was so deserving of her retirement, and to only be eleven months into retirement um, before passing away was truly tragic. And mm. then to add just the way that she passed away, it was truly kind of devastation on top of devastation. Um, but I am continuing to plow through and do everything that I can to honor the work that she's always done um, and to make sure that I continue the legacy um, that she laid for Congressional District 30. Well, we certainly want to <clears throat> support your sentiments and I want to say something that this shines a spotlight on how or elder care mm-hmm. that we need to be more vigilant because if someone of the stature of Congresswoman Johnson can be neglected mm-hmm. uh, as what's been said uh, was part of her untimely demise. The everyday citizen when they're in those situations is in jeopardy as much if not more so. So even though her death was tragic let's say that it was not in vain because it shined a spotlight on what can happen to people who are in these facilities and that their their relatives must be more vigilant and that the standards that these facilities are held accountable to must be enforced more and raised to a higher level. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think that there is legislation that we really need to take up on all levels. Um, You know, there's been a lot of conversations around maternal mortality rates and black women in general, and Mm -hmm. and, especially in light of kind of where we are with uh, abortion access in this country. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's a greater conversation to be had overall about when it comes to health care of black folk in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons that black women have been struggling when it came to more, uh, maternal mortality is because doctors would ignore them and mm-hmm. they would ignore um, when they would say they were in pain and they were not really tending to them and caring for them. Can't feel pain. In general. And exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. It's a, can't that's feel pain to treat us and um, you know I think that if we just look at healthcare overall when it comes to us we are ignored and um, we are consistently treated as second class citizens Mm -hmm. no matter who you are no matter your stature and I think that that was what was most astounding to most people Mm -hmm. here it is the first nurse not the first black nurse the first nurse to ever Mm. wear the Congress Mm -hmm. and then someone who was a healthcare professional, someone who had served her country and her state for 50 years, someone who represented this particular area 
in which she was actually um, supposed to be receiving care, and none of that mattered, right? And and it tells you about the fact that we have these inequities that we are still reeling against and fighting against in every single aspect of our lives. Um, and it's not a fight that is fair for me to have to continue to wage because it was the Eddie Bernice Johnson, it was my grandparents, it was my mother's generation. This should not be an ongoing fight. At some point right. in time, we should be allowed to say, hey, we have won because the Constitution allegedly says that we are all equal. Mm-hmm. It is time for us to realize and really epitomize the definitions as laid out and to start to live up to what this country has promised us. Um, and this is not a fight that I think that future generations should have to wage at right. some point in time. Um, there needs to be a white flag that's waved. Right. Uh and now, uh, do you do you want to take some callers after I make this little statement about uh, the money that you brought to fix MLK Boulevard? Yeah, we okay. can we can do a, a couple of calls. Couple, okay, I'm getting ready to do a speech here in Little Rock, but I got time for a couple. All right, and yeah, uh, what I'm <clears throat> what I'm alluding to uh, is the money that the Congresswoman brought back to Dallas in combination with some city of Dallas funds to do some much needed street improvements on Martin Luther King Boulevard. Something that we're going to talk more on this show about the continued neglect of that district. But the Congresswoman, with her hard work, she's actually bringing real dollars to neglected areas that have been neglected for centuries, decades, whatever you want to call it. And we just want to thank you, Congresswoman, for your efforts, which are showing themselves in dollars and cents and not just rhetoric, talk. Okay, uh, who can we take uh, right now, Karen? We have James on line one. Good morning, James. Uh, Good morning, uh, Leon and our... (coughs) Saturday morning assembly and the congresswoman. Um, uh, Congresswoman, first of all, I want to thank you for all the good things you are doing for the people of Dallas. Um, And uh, let me uh, first uh, get into my question. You know, it's been said that uh, so many members of the uh, black um, uh, uh, Congress, uh, the um, caucus, Caucus, that's the word I'm looking for. So many members of the uh, uh, Black Caucus are sold out to the Jewish Assembly, excuse me, the Jewish Lobby. And uh, I don't necessarily uh, think that's the butt-naked truth, um, but uh, I want to ask the Congresswoman, why is it that you and um, uh, Colin Aldridge and uh, so many others uh, are really slow in... uh, condemning all of the murder, all the, the genocide. I think 26,000 people have been killed in, in, uh, in uh, Palestine, mostly uh, women and children. Why uh, are you and uh, Colin Aldridge dragging your feet on coming out and condemning the genocide that's being sponsored mostly by the uh, U.S. military-industrial establishment? And, I, and I'll hang up and, and get your answer. Thank you very much. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much for that question. Um, so, uh, many of y'all. Can you hold know, on for just a second, uh, Congresswoman? Because we got to take this quick break, and we'll let you respond on the most powerful show on the radio. Church information in open form, right here on KNON, the voice of the people. Yeah, what's up? And we're back with more of the second hour of the most powerful show on the radio. Church Information Open Forum with your host, the Reverend Marion Barnett Sr. And we have the illustrious Congresswoman, <clears throat> excuse me, Jasmine Crockett. And Ms. Crockett, can you respond to the listener's question? Absolutely. Um, so Leon asked about the war over in Israel, and I do want to be clear, uh, it was mentioned about two other Democratic members from North Texas, um, Colin Allred, as well as Mark B.C. I do not want my answer to stand for them. Absolutely. <laughs> so I, I want to be clear that I am only answering for myself Absolutely. and not uh, attempting to answer for any other member, especially since Colin is running for U.S. Senate. So I do not want anything that I say to be attributed to any other members. Um, listen, for me, I wear a different hat than I wore as um, just a civil rights lawyer. And, and I want to put out there that my background is civil rights. So for me, any human rights violation is a problem, period. It doesn't matter who it is. Like, mm -hmm. that has always been who I am. That is my moral compass. Okay. I also am someone who visited eight to nine different countries um, during my first term. Mm -hmm. And I've sat down with heads of state. Um, I, I will say that I button my mouth um, from an advocacy standpoint, but I still do the work. So if people um, have the occasion to dig, because I don't think that the public kind of fighting out there is really the role that I need to take in this. What I need to do is come up with solutions. Okay. Um, and so I've done things such as sign on to letters um, that were sent off to the administration, mm -hmm. um, encouraging the administration to move some of our ships to the shores that could provide for health care um, as hospitals were being bombed and things like that. So there's a lot that I've done um, mm -hmm. that could actually be done. As a freshman, I have not voted to send a dime anywhere. Um, we've not, the Congress has not sent any money to Israel or to Gaza um, or to Ukraine since I've actually been in office. There's no money that's gone. So I've never voted on this particular issue. Okay. Um, I will say that the president proposed a supplemental um, funding budget and that supplemental would actually provide for aid to Gaza, Israel, Ukraine, as well as cities and states that are struggling with migrant crisis. Mm -hmm. The Republicans that have held that money up, as oh. it relates to those trips that I've taken, the reason that I bring them up is that I am trying to be very cautious of how we deal because we have not only allies that are watching us, but enemies that are watching us. Mm -hmm. And I understand that just like I knew that this conflict has always been a conflict. I was in Israel in August, um, mm -hmm. and I spoke, I spoke to leaders both in the Palestinian Authority as well um, as 
the Israeli government. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew what was going on. I I knew that there was a conflict brewing. There are conflicts that are brewing in other places in this country that I've seen. And we are really, as far as I'm concerned, I'm trying to do everything that I can not to tip the scale into the next world war. I am very sure. concerned. Um, so I do the work and I don't do as much talking out loud um, on this issue. Um, and I am trying to allow the president to be the one to lead on this issue. But I've not had any legislation that has come before me that would allow me to take a vote on. Well, actually, we did. We had one bill that came before us. The Republicans proposed a bill that would send money to Israel. And that's it. I voted against that bill. I did not think that that was right. I didn't think it made sense. Um, but what the president has proposed is more so in alignment with what I think the United States needs to do to be able to uh, maintain its relationship because there is a fear um, that if, number one, Trump is reelected, we will lose some of our allies, um, and that will put us in a very vulnerable position. In addition to the fact that we are making ourselves look bad um, by not honoring our agreements and our allyships right now, and that also may put us in a more vulnerable position. For people that don't understand, the United States really can't stand by itself. While we are the biggest and the baddest, having allies is where we win. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am doing my best to kind of navigate the waters in a space in which I believe um, will keep us here safe, um, but I am also doing the advocacy and the only things that I can do in the form of trying to move the administration to do things to help um, where we can. But Congress has failed to move any legislation to help anybody. And uh, for historical context, for the, <clears throat> for the uh, sake of the listening audience, the Arab-Israeli conflict is ongoing. Mm-hmm. This this most recent outbreak is the latest iteration mm-hmm. of what has been going on. You had an intifada, and you have all these different times where uh, you had the '67 war. Yep. Uh, this conflict is going to be ongoing for one over overarching reason. Prior to 1947. And I can't think of what the name of the treaty was or whatever they called it. Uh, when the Jewish state was first interjected into Palestine, mm-hmm. there were 700,000 Palestinians who were displaced. Yep. And they were moved, some of them, to Syria because this gentleman was on uh, public television talking about how he was from Palestine, but he grew up in a refugee camp excuse me in Syria so mm-hmm. until there is a peaceful political situation where the Palestinians have autonomy in their own area state territory whatever you want to call it where they control the resources they control mm-hmm. the economics they control the water the electricity etc there is going to mm-hmm. be constant flare-ups 
because there is a wing of the Palestinian people who is opposed to being, how can I say, controlled by the Israeli state. And there are Israelis who are opposed to the treatment that the Palestinians have forced against them. And you can Google this up and yeah. check the accuracy of what we're saying. This is historically accurate. So this is, is uh, this is the latest yes. iteration of what's been going yeah. on since 1947. Yeah, it's it's it, and it goes even back further than that. I mean, this is a decades and decades and decades long um, conflict, and you know, I, I will say that the real victims are the people, mm-hmm. the Palestinian people, as well as the Israeli people. Right. Right now, it's not the Israeli people that are um, directing what's happening. It is their government. Right. And, um, and their current leader has been described as a Trump-like leader. Mm-hmm. That is how he has been described. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Hamas, which you have radicalization that occurs when you have decimation and devastation that are, that happens like what we see. And so it is this cyclical thing that they go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if people really think back to old school rap songs, they used to always say things like peace in the Middle East, right? Like, right. it has been a consistent um, thing. And if you talk to um, people on both sides, they say we want a two-state solution. But uh, one of the things that, you know, I discussed, with the prime minister of the Palestinian Authority. And so I was like, I hear everybody say this, but I see no movement. And he was like, you're right. It's more like a slogan with no legs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this sounds like American politics, right? <laughs> um, where everybody campaigns on something, but they don't really mean it. Like, it just sounds good. It gets people all around. <laughs> and so, you know, when he said that, it really sat in with me. And there is a proposal that myself and Eric Swalwell um, are, are thinking about sending off um, to see if out of the box is something that has never been done before. But the thing is, if you want a different result, you've got to do things that you've never done before. Right. And that's really where I am with it. You're right. There are those that think that peace existed before October 7th, and it did no. for people that didn't know why or how Iron Dome existed. It existed because there was constantly rockets that were being launched. It just wasn't, you know, like the the Israeli people were protected because Iron Dome was catching them and that kind of stuff. And Iron Dome was a defense mechanism to keep Israel from doing what they're doing now, right? Like, Mm -hmm. they add the bigger weapons and artillery. Um, And I also think that there, while this isn't necessarily a part of the question. I do think that it's important as we are continuing to have this immigration conversation to not fall into the the rhetoric that is being put out there, specifically by the Republicans, that building a wall is going to fix it. Because to be clear, there was a barrier between the Gaza Strip and uh, Israel. And that barrier, we saw that Hamas was able to fly over it, just to be clear. when people want to come for you, they can come for you, whether it's the wall or what. And we also, uh, when I was in Israel, I uh, went into a tunnel that they decided to, to shut off, but they left it open to show people um, a tunnel at the northern border, the Syrian border, 
that Hezbollah had dug. They had dug six tunnels into Israel um, in an effort to attack, and these tunnels were detected, and so they um, were able to shut down all six of them, but they left one at least uh, open enough for people to actually see, and it's a tunnel that they project they had been digging on for approximately 15 years, and it looked like Shawshank Redemption. Uh So, like, it is, I mean, seriously, it it looked like, it was wild um, to experience, (laughs) but I I want people to to understand that October 7th wasn't the beginning of this. Um, It was an escalation of something that has been going on, and the only way to really get somewhere is to really have people that really have a desire to, and and as you go back and you talk about the displacement um, and you talk about, like, even if we start getting into settlements, mm-hmm. the, the, the reality is that there is PTSD on both sides. And it is, it's like taking, you know, broken people on both sides and saying, okay, y'all figure it out. It's just not happening, right? And, and one of the biggest areas of conflict is that both the Palestinians as well as the Israelis want Jerusalem. Both of them want it. Mm-hmm. And, and neither one of them will agree to a solution that doesn't include Jerusalem. And as far as I'm concerned, I was like, we need to make Jerusalem, Washington, D.C. It don't belong to nobody. It, it ain't got no statehood. Right. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. make it Anybody the capital. Can go. But I mean, every, exactly. I was like, let's let, you know. So I'm just like, let's figure out something that has never been tried. But instead, they keep doing the same thing and we end up in this cycle and even if Hamas is eliminated, there will be a new radicalized organization mm-hmm. that will sprout up right. because of all of the deaths that have taken place and the devastation um, to the innocent Palestinians. Uh, and we'll take another call after this quick question, uh, Congresswoman. What would Jesus do about this situation? <laughs> and, let, <laughs> and, and, let, and let's move on. Uh, who do we have, Karen? <laughs> We have Robert Petrie on line four. Good morning. Oh. Good morning, Robert. <laughs> Good morning. I, I'd like to hear about the funding for Martin Luther King Street before I ask my question. Okay, perfect. Um, so basically there was a grant. The city of Dallas, um, a federal grant that they tried to get the year before. Um, they were unsuccessful. So what we did is we worked with them, worked with the Department of Transportation to make sure that they um, could receive those federal dollars. And so it was a little over $21 billion. Um, the city of Dallas is the one that came up with the vision for it. So they are the ones that are going to be responsible for executing. Um, and it was it was what they saw that was necessary. So if there's any um, kind of input that any additional input that anybody wants to make about um, furthering that vision, then it's the city of Dallas that runs point on it. Um, I know that DART put in some money as well. That money is just going to be for some shelter covering for um, bus stops. And then I believe, Cog may have put in some money as well. So who was um, that? Not just Cog. I think Cog put some money in. What is that? Um, uh, the North, uh, North Texas Council of Government. Council of Government. Yeah. Okay. So th- I think they put in some money as well, but the money that specifically came from the federal government, the amount was about twenty million. So 
overall, there's more than 21 million just coming from a few different sources. Okay, okay well, now, when you yeah, uh, you, you if you driven through South Dallas and Martin Luther King Street, I guess it was some some repairs that need to be done. But do you see the condition of what the people are facing mm-hmm. in South Dallas? There's no funding for the people now. Before Congresswoman Bernice Johnson uh, stepped down, she. She was dealing with the banking below I-30, uh, the bullet train coming from Dallas to Houston and going. And I talked to Congresswoman Eddie Bernice Johnson in December, and she had stated to me that she hadn't talked to you since you took office. And it was kind of hard to, to, to believe, but did you already know Washington before you got there? Oh, I absolutely did not. No, no, no. Okay. I absolutely didn't you, know Washington before I got there. You, did you not think that you should confine or ask Congresswoman Johnson some things that was happening that would make things a little easier for you or uh, being able to, you know, I think you, you got rid of her staff too. So what did you, what was your thinking after you took office, where you you didn't feel that you needed to talk with Congresswoman Johnson, and yes, you no. know, and I hear, yeah, and I hear, I hear, you know, I see you on M uh, uh, M N N B C M S N B C. I hear you on there, and I, and then you know, but local issues, you know, like banking below I thirty opportunities, you know, this economic embargo that we face in Dallas, not just in Dallas, all over America. And, you know, we got, like, this show that Bank of America did not make one one residential loan in South Dallas. Chase Bank does not make one. I think if, if, if we deal with these issues that affect us in Dallas, Texas, because you're rep, you represent from Texas, but from Dallas, and deal with these issues that are affecting us. You know, street redoing Martin Luther King Street does not help the people in the community. You know, I own two buildings. I just sold them. I own two buildings on MLK, and and I it was no problem with the street that where twenty one million dollars they put twenty one million dollars in in our community that would make a difference. Okay, Rob, you know, let her respond. Or, Okay. So, yeah, so a couple of things. So definitely prior to, first of all, when somebody says they're going to retire, I, I, I respect that for sure. But definitely before, um, you know, the congresswoman retired, we sat down. She went through a long litany of things um, and definitely wanted to make sure that I continued to prioritize them and various issues. She told me about various programs. Is that the music for a break? Is that the music for a break? Okay. Uh, 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 yes, Congresswoman. Uh, we're okay. going to take a quick break, and then we're going to let you finish your response to uh, Mr. Petrie's okay, questions. Perfect. And we'll be right back with more of the most powerful show on the radio. Search information and open forum. On 89.3 FM, the voice of the people. Yeah, what's up? 
And we're back With the last segment Of the most powerful show On the radio Church information And open forum With your host The Reverend Marion Barnett Senior uh, Okay uh, Congresswoman uh, Yes Mr. Prop Mr. Petrie was talking up. about the Economic uh, No economic yes. development In the southern sector yes. And you were responding Yes. So to be clear, while you specifically asked me about the 21 million overall in my first year, um, I've brought home to the district a little under $200 million, um, which with this being the most uh, unproductive Congress um, and with me being a freshman, it's it's actually a pretty substantial amount of money. Um, That money, you know, I represent the Southern sector. I mean, that's, that's the sector that I represent. Now, obviously, South Dallas is a portion of that, so it's not just South Dallas. Uh-huh. But I want to be clear that I understand that South Dallas is one of those pockets that is in um, most need. Mm-hmm. And so I will say that there's been a, a great concentration around that. In addition to that, um, I fought really, really hard to get an ARPA-H location to Dallas. ARPA-H was it's a research facility it was, um, there were three of them that were authorized in the Inflation Reduction Act, and this was a part of kind of us being better prepared if for some reason we end up in another pandemic. And uh, so okay. there were three overall that were authorized in the country. It's a multi-billion dollar facility. Um, the first one went to Maryland, and I fought a lot. I partnered up with the chair of appropriations, Kate Granger, who's a Republican, she became my partner in trying to make sure that we could do this. So I actually had a bipartisan coalition of approximately 18 Democrats and Republicans that came together in the state of Texas to get this not only to Texas, but to get it to District 30, which means more jobs. Um, it is the equivalent of when people think about Atlanta and the CDC. Uh-huh. That's the type of opportunities that it presents as far as bringing jobs, but also with us leading the state and uninsured um, or I'm sorry, with the state leading the country and uninsured and in North Texas specifically leading the state, this provides for additional opportunities oh. for additional health care access for folks and it makes sure that our trials are going to be more diversified. Um, so this okay. is, so I am all about the economics for sure. And just this okay. week, um, just on yesterday, I was actually at Chase Bank and I specifically asked them about housing um, and I've been working with my good friend, James Armstrong at Builders of Hope. And he's usually the one that keeps my ear to the street about kind of what's going on as far as like actual affordability um, and and who's partnering up with who, what's getting done, what's not getting done. And then I am very close with um, Secretary Fudge at HUD. And I've made sure that I've been in close communication with Carmen or I'm sorry, Candace Valenzuela who is the regional HUD chair, who's also a friend, um, just to talk about the housing stuff. But economics for me is number one. Um, I was a business major in undergrad. I served mm-hmm. on the business and industry committee. Um, and I actually was pushing to be on financial services mm-hmm. in the U.S. House um, because we do have the regional Fed uh, located in Dallas mm-hmm. in the district. And I've sat down with the regional Fed chair as well to talk about opportunities, and I made sure that I brought the um, regional SBA 
um, lead to Dallas as well. And we sat down, we did a few roundtables. And the idea is that we want to make sure that we're expanding access to funding for our small businesses um, and making sure that they know better. So we actually are now working as well on um, sitting down and doing a roundtable with a bunch of our nonprofits. So for me, it's been a, a matter of trying to push as many federal dollars to those that are on the ground, whether it's nonprofits, whether it's making sure that our businesses actually have access to capital that they were unaware that they qualify for, or whether it's um, making sure that my cities, and that's all my cities, down to Glen Heights, like all the cities, big and little, um, are able to be successful in getting the grant funding that they're looking for um, in some of the bills that were passed in the 117th and beyond. Um, I think that it takes everything. Um, I don't think that we can take a scarcity approach and say, well, this money could have gone to something else because that's not how we shell out the money on the federal level anyway. Um, and so I do believe, like the Congresswoman was very big on, that infrastructure makes a difference. This is how you're able to get businesses to move in. This is how you are able to get um, the builders to want to come. And um, so, you know, it takes a lot, but we've done a lot of EPA grants to correct the environmental injustice issues as well, because that's, again, another infrastructural type of deal to make sure that people have opportunities of places to live and to work. Okay. Uh, to kind of drill a little deeper into what uh, Mr. Peacher was saying, uh, is are you, how is your relationship with, with Ms. Waters? Because as at last, of my knowledge, she was chairman of the banking committee for the house is that still yeah. accurate yeah okay yeah. and so she's the, she's the ranking member now since we're in the minority okay she's she's called the ranking member now okay so yeah. what what we're trying to find out is what can be done to uh compel banks to make loans for businesses and development in the southern sector we want to see more of that because, as Mr. Petrie mentioned, there was only one loan from this bank and one loan from another bank, but they take in, uh, you know, residents' paychecks and deposits. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, you know, I am, I, I guess. I know you're an agriculture person. Nah, I, I want to preface it with that. Yeah, but no, 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 no. Yeah, I know. I, no, I sit on ag, and, and actually we're actually working on a lot of funding through USDA. And to be clear, a lot of portions of the southern sector qualify as being rural. Um, and so a lot of home loans can actually be USDA-backed loans. So here's the deal. On the federal level, there are certain loans that can be extended due to um, them being backed by the Fed. Uh -huh. And we have our own rules about that. So um, this is why we've been pushing for, so for instance, SBA. Mm -hmm. When SBA came through, what he told me was that they've expanded the banks that they're dealing with mm -hmm. so that they can get better results. So it's a matter of, really pushing the information out um, because actually they have been doing an accounting of 
what banks were doing what and who wasn't doing what, right? Okay. Um, but these are all backed by the federal government, and it shouldn't be an issue. And as far as the underwriting of the loans, like the requirements are laid out by the federal government because if for some reason, like, they lay out the requirements and then somebody defaults, well, the federal government is the one that backs up the loan anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know that they expanded their list. And so for me, I feel like it's been more so a matter of pushing out the information. At the same time, when you look at some of our large banks, they are still private institutions. And so it's a matter of, do you have a federal product? um, And what are you doing with that federal product? Are you being a good steward of that federal product? But as far as what they're doing, say on the conventional side, we're we're semi-limited in how we can tell somebody, you've got to do this or that on running your business Besides the fact that, obviously, there's always historically been protections for people of color in general, but we are living in a world right now where when it comes to those on the federal level, they are trying to erase all of that, right? Like, right now, we're fighting hard and combating them trying to interpret the affirmative action into um, SBA, mm. right? Like, we're, we're fighting against that, and that is going to be another big problem that we potentially will have to run into if for some reason Trump is reelected and mm-hmm. then he is over SBA and then SBA says, well, we're going to extrapolate from the affirmative action decision right. from the mm-hmm. Supreme Court mm-hmm. that we should not be giving money based upon somebody's minority status, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it, it there's a lot of layers to it, but we are working to combat some of that on SBA side, uh, you know, but ultimately these loans that we get to control are the ones that are federally backed. And as it relates to federally backed loans and whether or not those banking institutions are extending monies, I am unaware, but I'm committed to, again, I was just at Chase this week just to specifically ask them about I was at their community banking um, facility to ask them what is going on specifically on business and housing because housing is a huge issue. Right. Um, and, you know, they were explaining to me some um, home buying programs that they do have that is helping with down payments. I was like, are people skittish right now because of the rates? We had a pretty robust conversation kind of around that, but I do encourage your listeners and anyone else if you are having issues and you feel as if this is a federal problem um, that is, is taking place and it's something that they are violating federal law on, I want you to call our office. Like, that is what we are there for. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So please reach out to our office, whether it's the state, um, I'm sorry, the one that's right there um, in Dallas, or whether it's the, the D.C. office, or you can submit online. You can always just Google Jasmine, but the official... Um, website is crockett.house.gov um, and yeah let us know um, and, and we, we see that cute picture of you <laughs> <laughs> yes and we're, we're out in your communities we're doing um, office hours we've been to every single city in the district um, at least three times now so be on the lookout for us coming to your cities if you go to the website you can sign up for our weekly newsletters um, and that allows you to kind of know everything that we're doing um, as well. And in addition to, you know, being able to, to bring money home, we've also put almost a million dollars into the pockets 
of District 30 constituents who have had their money tied up tied up with Social Security, IRS, things like that, VA benefits. So if there's, you know, if you're having problems, we are here to help, and we are seeing really great results thus far, and I'm, I'm super excited and proud of what we've been able to accomplish in year one in the most unproductive Congress on record. So yes. uh, we're just going to keep plowing away at it. Yes, and uh, we're going to try to we want we're going to hope you can bring you back again next month because it's African American History Month. We certainly want to hear from yes. our congresswoman, and then we can probably do a little more drilling into the uh, lack of bank participation in our southern sector. So we're going we got five more minutes. We're going to take one more call. And then we're going to allow uh, the congresswoman to close it out. Who do we have? Imani on line two. Good morning, Imani. This is the shortest show on our radio. We've got some very important things, and we don't add. Uh, have you, uh, uh, Congress lady, thanks, Leon, for taking my call. Thanks, Reverend Barnett, for, for letting us call. And thanks, Ken Lynn. I, I brought some money in there not long ago. But, I, 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 you know, have you ever heard of Congress Lady, and we thank you, we don't know you very well, have you ever heard of the Harvest Institute? No, not the Harvest Institute. Have you ever heard of Powernomics Corporation? No. Well, I, I don't know you very well, and but I tell you what, mm -hmm. last time I was in Washington, D.C. lobbying a day. Whatever. And I know we don't have oh. much time, and she, it was a photo op, but I'm going to get on this. I suggest you, you newcomer, mm -hmm. Google the Harvest Institute and Power Nines and get the book. We, it's about five million of us. We're not just going, we're going to talk about black problems. We're not going to talk about everybody else's problems and all that. We have one problem, and that's the money problem. So I'm, I'm going to let you go because I don't have much time, but can you elaborate on what you're going to do for us? Because we got about five million voters, and we not, you know, we're going to, we're going to be doing our research, and we're going to find out what you're going to do for us. Can okay, you okay question, uh, Imani, let me ask you a question. Yes, I know I don't have no time. Go ahead. Yeah, but how can I put this? When you say, what is she going to do for us, she can name off a litany of things that she's done over the past. She's only been in office one year, and she's, yes, you know, know. so what, what we're trying to get to is specifically – what are you looking for? Well, uh, Dr. Anderson, Dr. Boss Watkins, Ice Cube, Ms. Martin, we want to see, we suffered. We, you know, we say minorities, colored, and all that stuff. What are minorities and women, all kind of people. Okay, but we what are you looking for specifically? We are looking for okay, specifically, what will she do for black people in America who's been here since five, 500 some years? Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. All right, uh, Ms. Crockett, can you close it out? And uh, we certainly want to thank you for your faithfulness and calling in to uh, KNON. And just go ahead and give us your last responses or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, so uh, first of all, it was, it was great to chat with you this morning. And yes, I will be calling in next month. Thank you. Um, specifically, you know, my job is to represent my district. Uh, that is that is my job. Um, I am a representative for Texas 30. While I am a U.S. representative, I only get here one way, and that's by doing the work that the people in this district 
want me to do and ask of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I make sure that I communicate in any any and every way to listen to them, to listen to their issues, to listen to their problems, and try to meet the needs. Overall, I will say, as Mr. Petrie illuminated, that economics is really the big kind of driver. And I agree that that's one of those things. Um, but economics, I look at it as a multifaceted thing mm-hmm. that requires us to, number one, make sure that we do the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Also make sure that we are doing our part to invest in education and the foundational issues. Mm-hmm. But as someone who has been a criminal defense attorney and civil rights lawyer, you know, I also understand that the environment overall needs to be one that is fertile. Um, so that means that we are going to make sure that we're doing our part as it relates to violence in general and making mm-hmm. sure that we can decrease that so that it's a better environment for our kiddos to learn in um, and be emotionally stable and hopefully um, make sure that mom and dad have jobs that they can get to um, without fear of any issues as well. Um, in addition to healthcare access, I mean, you can do all of the great things you want to, but if people are sick and dying, whether it's the soil, the air, or the water that is killing them, then it, it doesn't matter if you got a job, if you did, right? So definitely making sure that I invest and make sure that we bring about some semblance of equity as it relates to healthcare as well. So I hear the music. It sounds like I've got to go, but... Well, we certainly appreciate you coming in, and you did a fantastic job, as you always do. So we look forward to hearing from you next month on the most powerful show on the radio. Church Information Open Forum with your host, the Reverend Marion Barnett Sr. on KNON 89.3 FM or KNON.org.